Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. If you got your word today, we're going to be continuing our study in Acts. And uh, I encourage you guys as well, if you don't know what to be reading, if you want to spend time in the word, I highly encourage you. Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon is, is wonderful, but this is not going to be enough for your life. It's not going to sustain you through the week. It's like a punch in the arm. I know some people, like, I live a lot of my life, like, I can't wait for Sunday. And I was like, I feel so excited. And then Monday hits, and I'm like, what just happened? And I can't wait till next Sunday. But, like, you can have this punch uh, every second of your life, uh, depending on what we are feasting on. And I encourage you, feast on the word, and then allow the Lord to speak to you. So if you want to know where to start, why don't we just start in Acts? Read through it with us. We're going to be going through this book. I'm in chapter five. I sit on this passage all week, and I just think on it, every aspect of it. I invite you to do the same. Another thing I do, I would love for you guys to have just a moment of quiet and read this to yourself. Kind of a lot of verses. So if you're ADD, you don't got to read or stop when you can't, you know? Uh, Acts 5, 17 through 42. Uh, I'm going to give you time with that. Acts 5, 17 through 42. And if you are not a Bible scholar, you can type that into Google and it will pull it right up for you and you can read. All right, let's spend some time. You know, so I want to I wanna, like help us maybe understand what we've just read. If you've missed the past couple weeks, it's really a, a window view into the church. And so the past couple chapters, we've seen what's happening inside the church. Then we go outside the church. Then we go inside the church. And we go outside the church. And so it's like this back and forth kind of view. And uh, I want to highlight maybe like four different things for you. But I believe that the Lord really highlighted one particular thing uh, for me personally that I must share. And it's kind of a caveat. And I'm really sorry. I want to hurry through this. But it's very, very important. I believe chapter, uh, verse 28 uh, spoke to me a different kind of way personally. He highlighted marriages to me, my own but in verse 28, the Sadducees say, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. And he said, instead, you filled all Jerusalem like you went harder with your teachings about him and you want to make us responsible for his death. Like, you want to say, I'm responsible for the problem. Me? I'm not the problem. Who's the problem? You. This is really the challenge of the human condition. We're born with it. We're not the problem. Everybody else is the problem. I went to Ace and I took my kids in my truck to Ace Hardware the other day. And uh, I got the full view of this. As I go into Ace, my kids are like, can we sit in the back of the truck, Dad, the trunk? And I'm like, sure, it's a sunny, wonderful day in the morning. Take them, I put them in the trunk. I go into Ace and I run in there. And uh, I'm standing at the line 
and I'm purchasing and I look out the window and I'm watching my children and I notice these two older guys get out of their car next to my kids and I'm watching them like, I'm like, do something, son, you know? And uh, I'm just watching them and I realized that this old man like gives my kids this like real dirty look, honestly. Like, and I was like, what was that? That was really strange. Like what just happened? And uh, they kind of pause and they're like, and then they walk and I get back out of the car. I'll like rush out there. And Blakely goes, dad, JP did something bad. And I was like, what do you do? And, and uh, she was like, he, there was an old man who parked next to us, and then he looked at him, and he said, hey, old man, you're fat. <laughs> What's happening at my home? I'm a bad father. I'm a bad father. No, like if you've had kids, it's just built in. This heart of like rebellion, like, and I don't know, like JP's so quiet, honestly, he doesn't barely say anything. But he sees this guy with like, you know, the older guys that got the beer bellies, just like, just chilling. But like, he was, he was round. I noticed it from the Ace Hardware, you know? <laughs> Boy was gonna speak his mind. You're a fat old man. <laughs> it's built in. But then when it comes to marriage, like here's what I found, like, you feel like when you're a kid, we can go, oh yeah, it's built in my kids. It's built in them for sure. And then we mature and we get better at doing life. And then you get married. Anybody married in the room go, I get it. I get it. So yesterday, the reason this is really highlighted because I feel like I've had conversations about marriage all week with everybody and I want to tell you, it's like one of the greatest honors, but I feel highly unqualified a lot of the times because I go home and I have the same stuff. And yesterday, I'm, I'm just tired. I've worked all day and I sat down in the recliner and I was on my phone and I was looking something up and I was writing a receipt for something I did. And my kids were sitting and they left and my wife comes around and she's like, oh, I've asked them not to eat on the couch. Oh, and now I got to clean it up. And I'm like, I know how to fix this issue. Let's not clean it and let's get them to come in here and clean it. And it like caused something that I never intended it to cause because I had a solution for the problem, but my wife had her idea of the solution of the problem. And then you know who became a problem? Her. No, no, she was a problem for sure. Because if she listened to me, our kids wouldn't do it again. I was sure of it. But it created a whole kind of set of mess at my house yesterday. And I'm studying this. And I'm like, I'm not responsible. I'm not the one responsible. And the more I thought about this text, man, I woke up at two in the morning after a conversation I had last night. And I heard these words in my mind. I'm not responsible. And my wife and me were still upset with each other. I was still upset with her because she was the problem. And you know what I realized? If I had just realized that out of the kindness and goodness of her serving heart, she was gonna clean up after the best she knew how. And if I had got off of my lazy hind end 
and gone outside and got my kids back in and I would have brought them in and I would have said, guys, I want you to look at your mom. She cares for you so much that she's cleaning up your mess. Would you just recognize her for being wonderful the way she is? She's amazing. But I desire for you not to sit on this couch and eat food because I don't want her to clean up your mess. And next time this happens, you are going to be cleaning up your mess. I could have exalted my wife in that moment, but she was an issue, not a blessing. I saw the problems, not the benefits. I saw her as responsible for problems. And it became a problem. This was the whole issue with the Sadducees. This is the whole issue from the beginning of mankind. I'm not the problem, but everyone else is. You see it all over the news. You see it all over, I don't know if you have friends that just talk at the at workplace. That's like one of the most intense times. I'm not the issue. If my manager could just get his junk together, we'd have no problems here, right? Then you become the manager and like, if they would just work hard, I wouldn't have half the issues I got. I'm not the problem. We saw that in Ananias and Sapphira. Pride will tell you, I'm not the problem. Somebody else is. But here's what the psalmist tells us, and I just want to bring it to us in your marriage. If you are saying, I'm not the problem, I guarantee you, if I can speak for both parties, we are all a bit of a problem. Psalm 32 David realizes this, and he says, when I refused to confess my own sin, my body wasted away. Is anybody just so tired of being in their own home? My body is wasting away when I show up because I'm not the problem somebody else is. My workplace is such a problem. I'm not the issue. The workplace, they're the issue. My body's wasting away. It doesn't say, man, if I get their problem right, my body begins to be healed. It says, when I look at my own self, confess my own issues, my body is not going to waste away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And I'm just going to tell you, when my wife and me were having that like tiff, nothing ekes at my heart more than my pain that comes from my spouse. When there's issues there, I feel like there's issues everywhere. Finally, though, he gets to the place where he goes, I confessed all of my sin to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I stopped trying to hide it at all. My house must be the safest place for us to be a little bit messed up at times. And if we both knew it and know it, and we just walk in the grace of realizing that both of us have a little bit of issue. Boy, can you imagine what that would do if we stopped trying to pretend and hide our own guilt, stopped trying to pin our own issues on the other person? I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. It's offered to him. And here's the deal. I spoke to marriages very clearly, and I am sure in this room and, ma and many others, there's marriages that went too far and it didn't work, and, you're, and you're, you're hurting by this. You're like, man, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done this, I encourage you in your singleness, would you bring anything that you feel guilty about and anything you feel sinful about, just bring that to the Lord. Don't carry it anymore. 
just bring it right to him. And it says, all my guilt is gone. When I confess those things to him, I let them go. Let those things go. And then watch the Lord heal your body. You will have soul healing. It's okay. We're all a little bit at times. Our flesh is broken. But listen to this. Confessing me helps me consider you. Confessing me helps me consider you. I pray marriages, if you want healing, every morning, confess you. Ask them to search you and know you. Confess you, and it will, it will help you consider them because you will receive forgiveness and you will, you will begin to realize the depth at which you've been forgiven on the daily, on the daily. And then it will bring grace upon your life to extend the grace that you're receiving. You are reflecting what you are focused on. All right, ready for the message? Let's just go through a couple of things, okay? All right. In this passage, I just wanna highlight a couple of things. The message that these guys preached was simple and Jesus was central. The message these guys preached was simple and Jesus was central. Read through what they said. I mean, they talked about this in 30 through 32. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so that the people of Israel, there's a reason, would repent of their sins and be forgiven. Be absolutely absolved from their sin and brokenness. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. What does 32 mean? The Holy Spirit is given as a gift. That's a gift. Given is a gift to those who obey him. I believe 1 John 3, 23 through 24 helps us understand what this really means as well. It says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. By this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given to us. Obedience is key. What have we been called to obey? Believe upon Jesus. That means when you have come to him and you've recognized the fact, I am part of the issue. I am responsible. I don't have it together. If you realize that today, you can rest in the fact that all of that penalty that you and I deserve was paid on a cross in full. The darling of heaven came and gave up his life for you and I, that we could be absolutely forgiven 100%. He says, believe upon Jesus. Rest in that. Receive it today. Have it. Walk out of this room floating because it's for you as a gift. Now, from that place, your life is gonna move in action because man, when you receive the love of God, you will not be able to help but love other people. I have to move in loving other people. Now, fam, what the heck does love mean anymore? Anybody? Guys, we gotta be loving. 
I mean, we just got to be loving. I understand that. And I understand it's contextual to the audience that they were speaking to. But if we want to understand what love looks like with people who are accompanied by the Holy Spirit, if this is any indication of what love is, they walked out love by telling people about the truth. The truth is not just fixing a moral behavior. The truth is King Jesus is alive and he died for you. He loves you. He died to forgive you. Would you receive him? Would you be forgiven? Love is not passivity. Love is active. This day is to silence our love. And I want to tell you, that is not love. It is not love to be silent. They are never silent. And in fact, they say we can't be silent. We must tell what we have seen and heard from our king. He's alive. And I know this message will actually heal the places of our hearts and souls that we are longing to hide the guilt we are feeling. We are not responsible. Love is active. And I just pray, I've been praying for us that the Lord would like, like activate love in our heart, like his love in our heart that others would really begin to experience, that like boldness would rise up like from our guts, that we wouldn't receive the truth that the world is like pressing in on us to say, this is what love is. Because the creed of Satanism is to do what thou wilt in love. It's a redefinition of love. We have been invited to actually love and to do whatever thou wilt. It's not love. The greatest love is this, that we lay down our lives for those, our neighbor, right? This is the greatest love that I give up my life for you. This is what it looked like to give up their lives for the world in the same way that their savior gave up their life for them. They were mirroring what they had focused upon. They had believed upon Jesus. He had filled them and they were sent and they could not stop. Now, I would like to pause and I just wanna give an exercise. I wanna exercise this and I just wanna invite you into this every single day. I wanna pause and I wanna believe upon Jesus. I just wanna be reminded of this every day. And as you do this every day, you can begin to do this every second. When you hit the car, when you go to your room, whatever, when you go to work, whatever it is, we're gonna pause. I just got a couple questions for you and I'll invite you. Would you just, would you close your eyes and let's just have a little time of prayer. I just wanna lead you in this. First question have you rested your life on Jesus? Like, are you at rest within your heart today? These guys were passionate, but they were at rest. And if you're not at rest, which chances are there's a flesh side of us that at times is not always feeling at rest. 
That doesn't mean that you're absolutely broken or you've got it wrong or God hasn't saved you. No, if there's a pull back and forth, it's probably evidence that there is the Holy Spirit, by the way. But I encourage you, have you rested on your life on Jesus today? Every morning, ask that question. And right where you are, would you just, I just invite you to pray this with me. Father, I give you everyone and I give you everything. I give you everyone. Word believe is to rest, trust. I trust you with everyone and everything. I trust your work and death for my absolute forgiveness and full restoration. I trust your work and your death for my absolute forgiveness and restoration. Second question I ask myself is, have you surrendered your life to love? Have you surrendered your life to love? And every morning, I surrender today my life to reveal your love. I should invite you to pray that. That's your heart. I surrender today my life to reveal your love. Fill me for that purpose, Holy Spirit. And I promise you, you'll begin to experience some of the things that I believe this book has invited us into experience. Father, we thank you that you've invited us in. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we as a church offer ourselves to you to be filled, to be sent, to love this world as you have loved us. Give us grace to lay down our life for others to experience you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go on this journey, that journey gets challenging. Anybody in the room in ministry going after it? It's hard. Sometimes I get kind of frustrated with, like, God, why me? Like, why is this so challenging? I mean, aren't I doing the things that you told me to do? Anybody? Am I alone? I feel alone now. (laughs) Come back. Come back. Sorry, is it too heavy? We need to tell a joke. We need to calm down. Everybody okay? We good? Okay, we we can tell jokes or something if you need a moment. Okay. Yeah, it's not us. I'm not the problem. I'm the problem. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. I, I needed that. The, the, uh, the next thing that I really just wanted to highlight is that God brought them out to send them back. Like God brought them out of that prison to send them back into where the issue was. The angel of the Lord said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release you from the prison. I know you were just doing this and you got in trouble. They get put in prison. The angel of the Lord shows up and he's like, I'm setting you free, relieving your pain, right? Now, would you go back into the place that brought you pain? No. No. I don't wanna go back there. It says at daybreak, at daylight, they went the second day hit. I don't, I can't say I'm there, y'all. I want to be. I want to be this radically obedient. 
I want to be this like encouraged and excited. I don't know. A lot of my pain in ministry, I don't want to go back. I get hives when I drive past places sometimes. I mean, I'm dead serious. Like I got PTSD from doing ministry. I don't want to go back there. These guys are like, go back, done, let's go. Love never gives up. Gosh, Jesus never gives up on you. I just want to encourage you today. If you feel like everybody's given up on you, Jesus hadn't. He's just not done with you. No matter what, he's just not done with you. He loves the heck out of you. He loves you today. He died for you. Be forgiven. Receive him. Let him love you today. But this story helps put into perspective for me some of the messages that I hear that tells us that basically God is going to give me the life that feels really good, that people admire and desire. And I'm telling you, a lot of time, I just believe that's true. I don't think a lot of people got released from prison by the Spirit of God. I don't know anybody who has, but that kind of stuff happens when you step in obedience with the king. It happens. You see miracles, amazing things. But also I see some stuff that's super challenging because these guys are released from prisons. They, they, I mean, they're touching handkerchiefs and handing them down the road. People are trying to get in their shadows so they receive healing. Amazing things happen. But every single one of these guys who are absolutely filled by the power and presence of God, end up getting killed. God doesn't deliver them. He doesn't deliver them. Why the heck would he do that? I don't know. I don't know why the moment was the moment. I don't know why. Here's what happened. Matthew was beheaded with a sword. Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city. Luke was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. John died of natural causes, but they unsuccessfully boiled him in oil. Like you survived. That, what kind of survival is that? I've had road rash from a moped and I wanted to die. You know? John survived and then died on an island? God, no. Put me down. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James the less was thrown from a height then beaten with clubs because he survived a great fall. Bartholomew was whipped and beaten until he died. Philip was hanged. Andrew was crucified and preached at the top of his voice to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through by a spear. Jude was killed with the arrows of an executor. Matthias was stoned and beheaded, as was Barnabas. Paul was beheaded in Rome. Sobering, man. Really, really sobering. I believe so many messages, they're like, well, what do you say about them? Betrayed by God? No, God loved the world so much that he sent these guys to show them. If he sent his son to die for you and I, why would he not send his sons and daughters to go die for the world that he still loves? I'm just mirroring the one that I've received. I believe we are sent on a mission and if you receive his mission, you will find true life. But this mission is unlike anything that the world is giving us. Would you let go of your life that you would find real life? Would you love this world the way that Christ has loved you because you once were a part of it? Don't you remember? I forget so often. I forget so often. 
And I'm asking him to remind me to like revive my love for the people that, I mean, I was worse. That his love would miraculously move us to the place where, man, I'm willing to just go into my work and I'm not here for me, I'm here for you. I'm showing up at church and I'm not looking to see, man, is Jay gonna bring the heat today? I hope the music's good. No, I'm showing up for you. Do you know why I come? It just doesn't really feel me, you know? I'm just not really fulfilled. I don't, I go to work and I'm just not feeling fulfilled. Like, guys, I don't, I don't understand what that means. But we've, I've said it. I want to point me. I'm not just like, you're the problem. No. I think we, do we get it? We all get this, right? I think there's a pool of culture that will tell you what this word is not telling you. This whole thing is about your way and your life. And Jesus says, it's truly about my way and my life. And I died for this world and I loved them and I love you and I desire for you to experience true life and true purpose. The angel of the Lord, Spurgeon says this, the angel of the Lord opened the prison door and set the preachers I'd set free the preachers, but might not be a preacher himself. He might give the ministers their charge, but he had no charge to preach himself. Sometimes we want God to do the work, but he's called us to be these people. He called these guys to do the work. He's called you and I to do this work. Would you receive his call on your life today? He's called each one of us, sons and daughters of the most high king. He called you, would you go? The angel wasn't sent to go. He was sent to release them so they could go. I believe we've been released so that we could go. But look at their mindset. I believe here's how we have this mindset. In verse 28 and 29, we gave you strict orders to never again teach in this man's name. And he said, instead, you filled all Jerusalem with the teaching about him. And you want to make us responsible for the death? But Peter the apostle replied, We must obey God rather than human authority. My rebellious side of me loves this passage. I'm like, yeah, give it to him. But he is, I believe this tone, like sometimes I can read it and be like, yeah, like, well, God told me to do it. And like, so screw you. No, I believe like, man, we cannot disobey God. I believe that tone is so important. Like he's so humbled and he's so humbled by the fact that God would still choose him. Peter's a different guy. If I were still trying to please men, oh no, sorry, I got it. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Paul said something similar in Galatians 1.10. If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Can you imagine, can you imagine what life would be like if we weren't living for the approval of people? Like I'm not living to hide from you and I'm not living to impress you. Striving to prove ourselves, but simply living out our days for the Father's love. Can you imagine how it would transform your life and your family if you weren't trying to prove your point at your house, but prove God's love to your wife or your husband? Can you imagine what it would look like if you went to your workplace and you weren't trying to posture or position your life to climb a ladder, but simply to reveal the love of the king? Can you imagine what places would look like if that was our heartbeat? Wow, this world would be different. But God, would you do something? Would you save our time? Yes, he will. Would you go? Yes, he will. Let's all go. You want to? Let's hit the street. After this, let's go out to you. Hey, let's go. Anybody in? Oh, man, let's go. 
Every day, in fact. They were so pumped up. It was every single day. Jesus is everything. He was central and it was simple. It was not complex. Here's the mindset. Guess I got off. 41 and 42. The apostles left the high council. After all this happened, they were brought back. They left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. What a mindset. Anybody in the room? Thank you, God. People don't like us. That I, the fact that I get to join you in what you experienced, thank you. I'm humbled. Who am I that you would let me suffer like you? I, I don't think I've ever said that, to be honest with you. I mean, really, ever. Every time I go home, I'm like, God, why, mate? Why? David did it too. I don't know. Thank you. You've counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day, listen to this, verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Here's the message. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king. Sent by the Father. Like, that's so easy. Jesus is, he's alive. It happened. Oh, the Bible's true. The guy showed up. You're forgiven. Guys, you've been set free. I feel like there's a lot of teachings that bring us back into maybe a little bit of slavery. Don't actually like set you free. Do you know you've been, you're forgiven? Then you can go. Do you want to go? Offer yourselves to him and let, let yourself be sent. It's got to be more than that. I got to have more together. I mean, you know, I got to get some stuff going and I got to learn some stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. I think the Holy Spirit's going to show up and he's going to do more than you could think or imagine. Just open yourself up to him and let him use you. It's going to be amazing. On June 19th, happened last month, Juneteenth, I don't know if, Many of y'all know what Juneteenth is. But on June 19th, 1865, the G Union General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas to inform enslaved African Americans that the Civil War had ended. And with the end of the war came the beginning of their freedom. Was it good? Yes. American Chattel slavery had existed since 1619 and persisted in the country until the end of the Civil War in 1865. And while General Granger's announcement was super good, it really wasn't news. At least it wasn't new news. The war had actually already ended April 9th, 1865. The slaves in Texas, not far from where this guy lived who wrote this article, didn't realize that they had been set free they were operating under a realm of slavery because they just didn't know that everything had happened and they had been exonerated of their slave identity. They didn't know. And it wasn't until they began to believe, actually, they had been set free that they began to operate as free. Today, would you believe Upon Jesus, 
He set you free. You are forgiven. You've been offered new life. Would you join him in his mission? He loves you. I know you're experiencing this right now. He loves you. Would you go with him? He's not even sending you without him. He's going to go with you. It's the Holy Spirit. Let him love you like no one has ever loved you before because that's what he intends to do. He doesn't love like the world. He loves you no matter what. You know who he loves? The people in our lives that we work with, the people in our homes that we live with. Would you join him in his mission of revealing this unmerited favor kind of love to the people in your lives? Would you stop trying to fix their behaviors before you reveal the love of Christ who saved you from all your behaviors for free? Join him, believe upon him, be forgiven, and go in love. The power of the Holy Spirit will accompany you. I hear chains breaking. We're going to sing that at the end of this service. I hear the chains breaking. I hear revival coming to my city. But it's not coming because angels show up from the clouds. It's the people of God were sent and unlocked the prison gates that many of them had set and heard prison talk and chained up. I'm going to tell you, man, you've been forgiven, invited to go. Would you? And if you will, I believe Knoxville will never be the same. But here's what I know. I don't even think Knoxville can contain it. Later in uh, Acts, it said, man, or earlier in Acts, it said that these guys had turned the world upside down just because they said, yes, I'll do it. And I can't wait to do what Jesus did for me. I invite you just to have a time of prayer. What has he spoken to you today? you have your just head bowed, I just want to talk to you for just a second, and then we're going to step into this. I want to encourage two groups in this room today. If you're experiencing pain and hurt because of your love for Jesus today, I just want to encourage you. It's evidence you're in it. You're living the life of Jesus and getting his life results in a fallen world. If you're saying, why would God do this to you? As he has sent his son into the world to save the world and reveal his love and share the truth, he's still sending his sons and daughters as a display that his offer of love still stands. The world is opposed, but remember the one who did this for you and rejoice that you have joined your king. And the other group in this room, you're not experiencing this life, but you right now are knowing God's call on your life. He's knocking. He's inviting. I believe you've maybe want to said yes for years, like a full surrendered yes, like tug. I mean, it's like a pull in your chest. That's all I know. Surrender today and rest on him for the full forgiveness. No longer try to hide any guilt. We all stand guilty before the throne. Our good deeds are filthy rags. Let go of maybe saying, man, I'm too old. There's no way. I've been doing this years. I'll be so embarrassed. It's ridiculous. Would you surrender your life and rest upon him? and have full forgiveness. I receive this right now, full pardon, 
full restoration into the family of God, into his kingdom of true purpose. Hear God's call today. I pray you just have a, a moment with your father who's hearing you, who's loving you, and willing to meet you right where you are.